0: Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2014 Karis Bible College campus days. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. So let's go back to Mark chapter 4. i I'm in talking about the power of the Word, the integrity of the Word, how that the Kingdom of God operates off of the Word of God the same way that the physical realm operates off of seeds. The Word of God is a seed, Whatever you need, you put it in your heart and you have to get it below the surface so that the devil won't steal it away. You have to protect it against affliction and persecution and get root in yourself, get it strong. You have to get to where you don't let the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches and other things steal the word from you. And if you'll do those things, you will bring forth fruit. But even among the last type of person here that brought forth fruit, there was still a variant. Some people only brought forth 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. The word has the exact same potential for a hundred fold return in every person's life. It depends on how much you, you give yourself to it, how much you commit yourself and renew your mind. That's powerful truth. So let's turn over to Mark chapter four. And in verse 35, it says in the same day, When the even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? There is a lot in this passage, more than what I'm gonna be able to share during just this time But let me go back to verse 35 and look at the very beginning of this. It says in the same day. Did you know that's important? The same day is what? Again, I mentioned this very first night, but Mark chapter four, and you have to combine this with Matthew chapter 13 and Luke. And if you put all of these things together, there were a total of 10 parables that Jesus taught about the woman who lost a coin and went and swept until she found it, about the one that lost the sheep, about the tares and the weed, about the sower sowing the seed, the parable that I covered first, about the man that just casts seed into the ground and sleeps and rises night and day, the one about the mustard seed. All of these things were taught in one day. Every one of them was about the Word. It was showing you how the word of God is what makes the kingdom of God function, and so that same day, that's important that you understand this, because what happens right here is dependent upon the fact that he had spent all day long teaching them about the importance of the word and how the word works. And so that same day, it says that he, uh, when even was come, he said unto them, "Let us pass over unto the other side." You know what he was doing. He gave them a seed. He gave them a promise. He gave them the word. This is the one who spoke the worlds into existence that said, let there be light. And there was light. And the same one who said that, and man, I can't even imagine all of the power that was released by him just saying, let there be light. And boom, there was light. The universe was created. The same one who said all of that said, let's pass over to the other side. You know, in those words is this creative power of God. Every word of God, the angel told Mary this when she says, let it be unto me according to thy word. And he says, uh, she said, so be it unto me according to thy word. In one of the other translations, it says, for every word of God is not without power of fulfillment. In every word of God, there is power to fulfill. When the Lord spoke to uh, Peter and said, come, That's all he said, just one word. That one word had enough power in it for him to walk on the water. You know, most of us just read this and we get to thinking that we have to read huge volumes of scripture to do any good. One word, one word from God is enough to overcome anything in your life. Man, that's awesome. And we just don't really appreciate it. You know, in our society, we put a lot of emphasis on how many words people say, not, not necessarily the integrity and the power of the very words that they say. But I'm telling you, one word from God is enough to change your life. One word. And Jesus said, let's pass over to the other side. He did not say, let's go halfway and drown. He said, let's pass over to the other side. And they just didn't really appreciate, they didn't fully understand that this is God Almighty saying something that the whole universe had to conform to. They didn't put the emphasis on God's word that they should. If they would have really done it, then I guarantee you they had a promise. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. And I can guarantee you there's some of you that God has spoken to about coming here to the school and stuff. And you've heard a word from God, but then you get to thinking about, man, am I going to go out there and die? Am I going to be able to get a job? Is my needs going to be men? Is this going to happen? And it's just because you don't understand how powerful the word of God is. If God told you to do something, then just do it. And that's where the miracles come. You know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but one of my favorite things to teach on is in 1 Kings chapter 17 where God told Elijah to go to the brook Cherith and he says, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. He didn't send his provision to where he was. He sent his provision to where he told him to go. And if Elijah would have stayed where he was, the ravens would have been bringing this bread and flesh and it would have been piling up. God would have been faithfully providing, but Elijah could have died of starvation if he hadn't have gone where God told him to go. And if God has told you to do something, then don't sit back home and say, God, you make all of the provision and then I'll go. Your provision is there. And if you aren't seeing the provision, it's because you aren't all there. You got to quit being so much here and you got to be there. You got to do what God told you to do. And God told them, He says, you pass over to the other side. If they would have been thinking of this properly, that should have been enough. I don't care what happens. We're getting to the other side. Jesus told us we're going to the other side. And see, that's the way that you need to look at things. Jesus told me to do something. We're going to do it. That doesn't mean you won't have a storm come up uh, along the way, but you will make it to the other side. If Jesus told you to come here, that doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect, but I guarantee you Jesus will come through and you will see miracles and God will perform his word. It just boils down to what has God told you to do? If God tells you to do it, do it. That's it. Amen. Amen. Man, that's awesome. I love that. So he says, let's pass over into the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships and there grows a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. You know, here's another point out of this story, and that is that some people think that if God is in this, then everything's just going to work. And this is how they discern whether or not God is really in something, is whether everything just works out. There's people that'll say, if God wants me to come, then He's going to sell my house. He'll get me a job. He'll settle this problem. He'll do this. And they discern God's will by whether everything works out. Did you know Paul said this? He says pray for me because there is a great and effectual door opened unto me and there are many enemies. I don't believe that you can just let circumstances dictate to you whether you're in the center of God's will or not. I don't think that that's right. But if you were going to do it, which isn't right, it is scripturally more accurate to say if everything goes wrong, it's probably God. Paul had a vision in in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts and a man said, come over into Macedonia and help us. And so it says, Paul rose up in the morning, assuredly gathering that the Lord had sent him and he went to Philippi and within 48 hours, he was beaten and his hands and his feet were in the stocks in the prison and he was in prison and they were getting close to killing him. They wanted to kill him. And most people see, if you think, well, if God's in it, things will work out. You think, whoops, I must've missed God. That's not how it works. Just because you have opposition doesn't mean that you've missed God. The storm came up and they were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They were in the perfect center of His will and a storm came up. So you need to be realistic and understand that if God tells you to do something, don't sit there and just wait to see if the planets align. (laughs) And if... You know, all of the cats walk in single file down the road. And, and if there's three cats that go this direction and two dogs that go this way, then I'll know that God is in this. That's not how you do it. It's just what did God tell you to do And if God tells you to do it, you just do it. You do it if it costs you your life. You do it, man, that's simple. You know, when you get this attitude, it really simplifies life. Because it's just God, what do you want me to do? And if he tells you to do it, all right, I'll do it. And then people come along. Did you realize that this is impossible? Do you realize this can't be done? Do you realize you're going to die? And say, well, I don't care. Who cares? This is what Jesus told me to do. And it just simplifies your life. You don't have to argue with the Lord. That is so awesome. You know, I was recently at a conference and a man was teaching about transitioning his church and giving it over to somebody else. And this man had been, his Happy Caldwell. He had been in his church for, I don't even know, 30 something years. It was his whole life. And the Lord told him to turn it over to a guy. And he talked about it and talked about the struggle he went to, because not only was it like his baby that he had birthed, but it was his security and he was getting older. And what was he going to do? And so anyway, he, he did it and he talked about it and it was a great testimony to the Lord. But then he challenged everybody. He says, would you be willing to walk away from, from what you have right now if God told you to do it? Are you still following God or are you just doing things based on what is secure, what is safe and stuff like this? And as he challenged us to do that, you know, we were nearing the complete, well, I guess we had already completed. It was in January and we were already in this building. And the first thing I thought about is, would I be able to walk away from this? And you know what? I believe that God has done this and I believe I've got more to do. So I don't think God's telling me to walk away from this. But I sat down and thought about it. God, would I, you know, just leave this and go be uh, working an orphanage in Africa if that's what you told me to do? And, you know, I thought about it. I said, absolutely. If God told me to it, I could walk away from this tomorrow. This is not my security. This is what not. This is not what makes me. Tick, it's my relationship with Jesus, and I trust Him 100 percent, and I can honestly say it didn't take me 10 seconds to come to a place to where Father, if you want me to walk away from this, if you want me to give stuff over to other people, if you want me to go off television radio and if you wanted me to go work someplace else and deal with people one-on-one, I'd do it. It doesn't matter to me what God tells me to do. That's amazing. But it really is true. I absolutely mean that with all of my heart. And it just makes life so simple. What is God telling you to do? Just do it. If He tells you to do something, it doesn't look like it's to your advantage. God's smarter than you. Just do it. (laughs) And you know what? It'll turn out to your advantage. You'll wind up loving it. It'll wind up being the best thing you've ever done. But the problem is we lean under our own understanding. And we think all of these things. So I'm just saying that if God tells you to do something, don't sit there and count the, the, p- the potential problems and this could happen and this could happen and wait until God removes all obstacles and until everything's worked out and everything's done so that there's no faith involved. Don't wait. Just if God put the desire in your heart, uh, Proverbs chapter, uh, what is it? 37.4, is it? No, it's not. Psalms 37.4. Psalms 37.4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean God will give you anything you want. It means when you are putting God first, God will put His desires in your heart. And this is how God leads you. If you have a desire, and again, I'm limiting it to this, but it applies to everything. But if you had a desire to come to Bible college, God, put that desire in your heart. This is not fleshly. This is not demonic. And if God has put the desire there, then do it. Just do it. And don't worry about what the consequences are. I guarantee you, God knows what He's doing. And if God put the desire in your heart, He's God, you aren't, do it. But what about this? What about nothing? Do what God tells you to do. I tell you, if people could understand this one thing I'm talking about, it would just, your life, would, it'd be like taking off in a rocket. It, it would just explode. Your life would go on fast forward. You would begin to start seeing the supernatural power of God just manifest. It doesn't matter about what might happen, what could happen, what everybody else says. What does Jesus say unto you? Just do it. That's what Mary told the servants. He... He told them to go get these pots and fill them with water. And and the servant says, what about this? And she says, whatever he says until you do it. And you know what? They filled these water pots with water and brought it to the governor of the feast, the second chapter of the book of John. And you know what? They could have gotten in trouble for serving water to people that were expecting wine. But they, they just did what He told them to do and instead of getting in trouble, it turned out that the best wine came at the end. God turned it into wine. God can do anything if you'll just do what He tells you to do. What has Jesus told you to do? That's all you got to do. It's how simple it is. What has He told you to do? If you know what He told you to do, do it. And if a storm comes up, just keep doing it. You know, this is over in the 17th chapter of the book of Matthew. But when the disciples, after he had fed the 5,000, he told them to get into a ship and go to the other side. The exact same thing. He didn't say go halfway and drown. He said, go to the other side. And then he let them go in the ship and he went up into a mountain pray. And at the fourth watch, which means it was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., they were only in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. I've been on the Sea of Galilee It it doesn't take two hours to get across the Sea of Galilee under normal circumstances. They left at sundown somewhere around six o'clock and at somewhere between three and six in the morning, nine to 12 hours later, they were only halfway across this two hour trip because the wind was contrary to them is what it says in Matthew 17. You know, if these people had been like a lot of people. They All they had to do to save themselves, if the wind was blowing against them and they had only covered one half of the trip in nine hours, all they had to do is turn that boat around and that wind, they'd have been back to the shore in just moments. But to their credit, they were still doing what Jesus told them to do. And then Jesus came walking on the water and they experienced a miracle. Everybody would love to have Jesus come walking on the water. They would love to have, you know, it says in John that the ship and the disciples, when he entered into the ship immediately, they were translated to the other side of the lake. They were just boom like that. They were on dry land and it was there. Everybody would love to have a story like this and talk about, man, this is awesome what Jesus did. But most people, the first little sight of wind Storm, they turn around and head for shore and take the safest route out. They don't do what God told them to do. For you to experience a miracle, you have to position yourself. And the first thing about positioning yourself for the miraculous power of God is to get a word from God and then do it. And I can guarantee you there will be opposition. Satan will come against you, but then you'll get a miracle out of it. God will come through. He'll provide, something will happen and your life will never be the same. But most people are playing it too safe. They're shooting at nothing and they hit it every time. <laughs> Man, you need to do something. And if God has spoken to you, if He hadn't spoken to you, don't do it. But if God has spoken to you, do what God told you to do. And there may be storms come, but who cares? You'll make it, He's got, you've got His Word. You're gonna make it to the other side. So they ran into this uh, storm And in verse 38, he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on the pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Boy, this is just, this is just like us. You're in a storm, your boat's full. It looks like you're gonna sink and Jesus is asleep. And you know, this wasn't a cabin cruiser that had berths below deck and Jesus was dry. It says that the boat was now full. That means that Jesus was soaking wet. He was probably floating on the water. (laughs) He knew what was going on. He was either in such a sound sleep, it was a supernatural sleep, or he probably knew what was going on and he wasn't doing a thing to help. And they woke him up and says, don't you care that we perish? You ought to do something. Get a bucket and bail, row. Do something. You aren't doing anything. We're dying and you aren't doing anything. It sounds kind of like us when we are saying, God, why aren't I healed? Don't you care that I perish? God, don't you care about my finances? God, don't you care about what's going on? And we think that it's God that hadn't done something. You know what God's part is? He gives you the seed, He gives you the promise. He already had done His part. He says, Let's go to the other side. And I can guarantee you with Jesus in that boat, there was no way that they were gonna perish. They were gonna make it to the other side, but it wasn't his responsibility to get them to the other side. He gave them the word, he gave them the power. And if they would have stood on that word, they could have commanded the wind and the storm to stop. God gave them the authority that they need when he spoke a word to them. And that's God's part is to give you the promise to give you the Word. And in those words, there is enough power to accomplish whatever God tells you to do. Again, I'm not trying to glorify this building, but I'm saying this building is a testimony to what I was talking about. God told me to do some things and I didn't have the wherewithal to do this. And yet God told me to do it. And I just believed and because of it, the Word that God spoke to me in June of 2009 is now physical and in manifestation and paid for debt-free because a word was given and all I did was stand on it. And I've had people tell me it couldn't be done. I remember when my guys came to me and said, the city has shut you down, it's over. They won't give us the permits. And I didn't ignore what they said, but I said, well something's gonna happen because that is not the word that God gave me. I said, there is a way forward. And so we started meeting about it and praise God, we got it done. But I'm saying all you gotta do is get a word from God. And that doesn't mean that everything's just gonna work perfectly, but you will make it to the other side. If you don't doubt, if you believe what God says, you will see the manifestation of it. The word is infallible. It's an incorruptible seed. It never fails. Man, God has been faithful, faithful, faithful to his word. It says he upholds all things by the power of his word. Hebrews chapter one, verse three. The universe is held together by the integrity of God's word. If God ever broke his promise, if he ever failed to do something, the universe, you and I, everything would self-destruct. It's held together by the power of his word. God's word will never fail. People fail to believe it. It says in Hebrews chapter four, verse two, that the word preached unto them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You've got to believe it. If you don't mix it with faith, then it doesn't germinate. It doesn't release its life. But if you stand on the word of God in faith, the word of God never fails, never, ever, ever fails. Jesus' part was to give them a word and he had spent all day long, teaching them eight parables, 10 parables about the word and how powerful it is and how it works. And this was like his pop quiz. He had been teaching them now, guys, let's see what you do. See what you learned. Let's get into the boat and go to the other side. And he goes to sleep because he had done his part. He spoke the creative power of God that guaranteed that they would get to the other side. Now, he was going to say, are you going to believe everything I've been teaching? And sure enough, they failed this pop quiz. They came and said, do something. Don't you care that we perish? I'm telling you, anytime you feel like God's forsaken you, why hasn't God done something? Oh God, why don't you move? God, how come this happens? And now it is never God that has ever failed to do anything. But you know, as Wendell was saying, we have to let The word dwell in us richly. We have to let this mind be in us, which was in Christ Jesus. Let God be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Let not your heart be troubled. It's us that has this decision. God's word will work, but you have to work it. You have to put faith in it. You have to stand on it. These guys came and started saying, God, why has this happened? And if you ever get to a place to where God, why aren't you doing something? It's not God who hasn't done it. I guarantee you, God has spoken a word. God has given you promises, not only the written word, but he will take the written word and then he'll speak a rhema word to you and give you specific direction and show you what to do. And if your life isn't just on track and hitting on all cylinders, it's because somewhere you haven't done what God told you to do. It's possible your heart is so hard that you haven't heard it, but most of the time God has spoken to us and we've let circumstances and fears and our test and our fleece that we put out fleece us. Amen. And we just haven't followed through with what God told us to do. I'm telling you, you don't need to say, God, why aren't you doing something? God's done his part. He's now seated at the Father's right hand and Jesus is not the one that's directly healing people. He put this power in us and we have to believe that we now can heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, freely we've received, freely give. And we go out and lay hands on the sick and it flows through us. It's God's power, but it's in us and it's activated by your faith. You've got to heal the sick with God's power, but you do it. You stand and rebuke the devil and he will flee from you. You act on the word of God instead of just praying and saying, oh God, we are nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing. But we believe that you can do all things. Stretch forth your hand. You'll die like that. That's not a good prayer. You need to believe that he's done his part. Thank you, Father, that you gave me an authority and power. And now I will resist this thing. I cast this thing out. I command it to go. Man, that's awesome. But they were trying to wake Jesus up. Don't you care that we perish? I can just, you know, it's hard to talk when you got your thumb in your mouth. (laughs) I can just hear these people trying to talk. You know, don't you care that we perish? And in verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace, be still. Boy, this is a whole nother subject. But you know what? He said, peace. And then be still. He spoke and stopped the wind first and then told the sea to be still. If he hadn't done both of those, if he had just said peace, it would have taken a lot longer for the sea to become still because it would have just naturally have settled down. It might have taken 30 minutes or an hour, but he said, peace, be still. When you're ministering healing, you have to rebuke the devil and say, get out of this body in the name of Jesus. And then you loose the anointing of God to go in and repair the damage that the devil has done. But some people just rebuke the devil and you may break Satan's power, but then you're left with all the crippling effects that that disease has done in your body. And you didn't, you didn't speak to your body. You rebuke the devil. So you've stopped it. It's not getting any worse, but you aren't getting any better because you haven't spoken peace and be still to your body. There's a great lesson in that. And then he said unto them, why are you so fearful? Like, duh, we're drowning, amen. (laughs) We're in the midst of a storm, the boat's full, we're gonna die. And he's saying, why are you so fearful? And then he says, how is it that you have no faith? Most people would think, well, that's not a lack of faith. They were in a life-threatening situation. When you have a word from God that says, go to the other side, then I don't care what goes on. Anything that makes you doubt what God told to you is a lack of faith. It's unbelief. If they hadn't had a word, maybe it would have been okay for them to be fearful because they didn't have a promise. And maybe they just had to do the quickest thing they could to get to safety. But when you've got a word that says, we're going to the other side, and then you get fearful, I don't care what happens. It doesn't matter what happens. If God gave you something, you just act on that word. And I've had people challenge me over this and say, but you could die. Well, I'm going to die anyway. I might as well die, believe in God. I don't believe I will die, believe in God, but I'm saying that, you know what? When we get on the other side, I think that there's going to be some people that it didn't work because maybe they've gotten fear and they wavered or something didn't happen. But you know what? Jesus is going to be saying, man, you trusted me. You believed, you stepped out. I'm proud of you, proud of you for trying. This isn't the end of everything. We're just here for a short period of time. And I'd rather go to heaven trying to believe God than to stay safe and be miserable and miss it. It's like a little kid riding the bike. Nobody does it perfectly and you fall and you stumble and you don't have to, there's no reason, but it's just your own fear and your lack of confidence. But the parent doesn't sit there and say, you stupid kid, if you would have done what I said. No, the parent encourages them. You know, you did good. You went five feet try it again. You can do it better. God, faith is what pleases God. And I believe God is more faith with, more pleased with a person who fails because they tried and believed God than he is with people that won't try because they're in unbelief. Faith is what pleases God. And He doesn't look at things exactly the way we do as this is a great success and this is a failure. He looks at our heart. And if you're believing God, then man, you're a success. And conversely, if you aren't believing God, you're a failure. It doesn't please God. There's some of you that are playing it very safe. You're very successful. You may have awards and trophies to your name. People may you know, ooh and ah, as you walk by. But if you aren't believing God, you're nothing. I'm saying that in love. I'm not trying to criticize you, but I'm saying we need to reevaluate things and quit basing it on just physical, natural stuff. It's all about what has God told you to do? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Well, there's a storm. You don't understand, I've got this problem. I've had people come to me before and say, but I'm living on the streets. I don't even have a house. I'm just sleeping under a bridge. How could I come out to Carrie's Bible call? I said, we got bridges. I said, we got streets, come out here and sleep on a street. I just don't understand that, amen. If you're under a bridge, what have you got to lose is the way I look at it. What is it that you're worried about? We've had people actually that said, but I've got two dogs. And the director of our Bible college said, we got dogs out here. I said, kill them. Amen. I don't want you to kill your animals. I'm an animal lover, but I'm saying that, you know what? If a dog was standing in the way of me doing what God said or a cat, forget it. I'll turn them loose, I'll give them to the Humane Society, I'll give them to somebody else, I'll do, but no dog or cat's gonna stand in the way of me doing what God told me to do, amen. I just don't think this way. It just is weird to me that people would have God Almighty talk to them and then you sit there and debate. I just don't understand it. I don't even wanna understand it. I don't even wanna sympathize with you. I'm telling you, if God told you to do it, do it. The Word of God is the most precious thing that He's ever given us outside of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is awesome. And to have God Almighty speak to you is just what a privilege, what an honor. Man, how blessed are we? You know, if I was God, I don't think I'd spend all day with me I certainly wouldn't spend all day with some of you. (laughs) And yet God will never leave you nor forsake you. And he's constantly leading you and speaking to you and guiding you. And and you're gonna debate whether or not you follow his leading. I just don't understand this. I'm not saying I do everything right, but I I can honestly say with a pure conscience, I am doing everything that God has revealed to me or I'm in the process of doing it. There is not a single thing that God has spoken to me that I'm not in the process of trying to do. I just made some decisions. One of the hardest things I've ever done, but I felt like it's what God told me to do. And if he tells me to do it, I'll do it. I'll do it. Whether it's what I want done or not, I'll do it. It's a great way to live. It's the only way to live. That's awesome. I just pray that God has really impressed you this week with how powerful His Word is and that you'll give it first priority. And whether you come to Bible college or not, you can take the Word and go out and just start doing what God says. And I promise you, if you do that, it'll transform your life. You'll never be the same. You know, I just can't stand getting up, going to work, coming home, watching TV, going to bed, getting up, going to work. That's boring. You start letting the Word of God take root in your life, your life will not be boring. He can lead you in different ways. Not everybody has to come through Karis Bible College, but I guarantee you, you put God's Word first and you better put your seatbelt on. You better buckle in because you are in for the ride of your life. There will be awesome adventures. There will be times that just like Wendell said, he'll terrify you before he edifies you, amen. There'll be sometimes right about as you're crusting that first hill, (laughs) I want out. (laughs) And you start down that thing and you'll just, you'll see God do miracles. I've got so many miracles. I've got so many testimonies of miraculous things. My life has just been blessed, blessed, blessed. And it all comes because just God spoke to me. You know, tomorrow it's gonna be, uh, 46 years ago tomorrow that God spoke to me and touched my life. And he started giving me a series of things to do. The very first thing he told me to do was to quit school, which I lost $350 a month from my father's social security. I got criticized by every person I knew, but just two or three. And I got drafted and sent to Vietnam. Could have cost me my life. But you know what? I knew it's what God told me to do. And I was absolutely content. And if I died in Vietnam, I would have been fine because I knew I did what God told me to do. And I never had any fear in Vietnam. I was in a bubble. I was in a place where the place was overrun within two hours of when I left. I was a chaplain's assistant. And the chaplain came in to basically minister Protestant last rites. To these people, and we held a service, and it was under fire. And you could see the muzzle fire from the weapons. And we flew out, and our helicopter took all kinds of fire. And we were the last people to get out. And that hill was overrun, and nearly every person on it was killed. And you know what? I was there, and you could see this. And I was just so in love with the Lord. I was just praising God, this is awesome. I was just worshiping the Lord and thinking, man, I could be in heaven by midnight. Before this day's over, I could be seeing you face to face. And I was so happy and I was rejoicing and praising God. And then I got to praying for the Vietnamese because I knew that if I died, where I was going? But I said, God, what about them? Where are they going? And I got to praying for the people that were trying to kill us. I know some of you think I'm weird, but I'm telling you, you're weird. This is normal Christianity. And when you get to a place to where you do what God tells you to do, and if it costs you your life, if it costs you a friend, if it costs you anything, you just do what God tells you to do, and that settles it. And whatever the results are, let them come. But this is what God told me to do, and I was just so content. I'm not blowing smoke. I'm telling you, I've lived through this, and I've lived this way, and you can get to a place to where God just makes... You know, confirm to me that this is you. Let me know for sure it's you. And then if you do that, just do it. Whatever the results are, do it. And if you'll do that, your life will never be the same. Father, I just pray for everyone here. And we have shared the best we know how to about the power of your word, about how trustworthy you are, about what an honor it is to have you speak to us. Father, we've shared these things. I ask that the Holy Spirit just quicken faith, that they mix this word with faith. And that, Father, they'll step out of the boat, that they'll do whatever it is that you're speaking to them to do. And, Father, I thank you. I believe that as we do this, we just thank you in advance that there are going to be transformations. We will be transformed by the renewing of our minds and that we will see your good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, we thank you in advance for the healings, the marriages that'll be healed, the lives that'll be changed, the joy that will come, the relationships that will be built, the future that will be changed, not only for them, but for all of the people that you send them to. Thank you that nations will be changed. Father, That thank you that people on the other side of the world will be affected because of decisions made right in this place today. Father, we just thank you in advance for the awesome things that have been started and are working. And we we can't see what the full potential of it is, but I know that you know, and Father, we want to reach our full potential. So we just make a commitment that whatever you say unto us, we're going to do it. Whatever you say, we do. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we make that commitment. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let me ask, you know, I'm not trying to pressure anybody. Please don't misunderstand. But if God has spoken to you, you may have a thousand things. I'm talking about if God has spoken to you about coming to Karis Bible College. You may have a lot of things that you got to work out. You may have to go talk to your mates. You may have to do all kinds of things. Who knows? But don't base your decision on whether or not you're going to do what God told you on circumstances. If you know that God has spoken to you about coming to this school, it may not happen this coming year. But if you know that He's spoken to you, I want you to just make a commitment right now that I will do what God tells me to do. I don't know how long it's gonna take. I don't know how much effort it's gonna take. I don't know how many people it'll offend. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm, I'm driving a stake in the ground and saying, I will do what God told me to do. If that's you and you feel like God has spoken to you, I just want you to stand right where you are and I'm gonna pray over you and I'm gonna pray that God will remove these hindrances and that He'll just give you the strength and the courage to be able to follow through and do what God told you to do. That's awesome. Man, this is awesome. I tell you, brothers and sisters, it'll change your life. There's not a one of you that'll be worse off for coming and sitting under the Word for two years. It'll change your life. You'll never be the same. And you know what? You've got miracles on the inside of you, not just for you, but for other people. You're God's hands and feet. God wants to bless every person. He wants to change the world, but he is limited by his own choice to us. We have to go into all the world and share the gospel. So you've got miracles, not only for you, but you've got miracles for other people on the inside of you. And unless you follow through and reach your full potential, other people aren't gonna receive what God has for them unless you follow through. I believe that this decision is not only gonna change you and make your life awesome, but man, you're gonna have the joy of God flowing through you. Some of you haven't really experienced that, but it it is the greatest thing in the world. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's wonderful to receive God's blessing, but the best thing is to have God flow through you and give to somebody else. Every time I see Hannah and Ashley and Carly MAN, THERE'S TIMES THAT I I JUST NEARLY CRY LOOKING AT THEM, THINKING, THANK YOU, JESUS, FOR THE PRIVILEGE OF BEING A a VESSEL THAT HELPED REACH THEIR DAUGHTER. ISN'T THAT AWESOME? SOME OF YOU ARE GOING TO KNOW THAT. SOME OF YOU ARE GOING TO EXPERIENCE. YOU'RE GOING TO HAVE PEOPLE COME UP AND SAY, MAN, THANK YOU. THANK YOU FOR WHAT YOU'VE DONE BECAUSE IT'S CHANGED MY LIFE. That's THE GREATEST THING IN THE WORLD. IT'S AWESOME. FATHER, I PRAY FOR ALL MY BROTHERS AND SISTERS THAT ARE STANDING BY THEIR OWN ADMISSION They've said that you've spoken to them about coming to Karis Bible College, either here or someplace else or online. But Father, we just say that no longer is there a debate. We will do it. We will do it. We make a confession before you that we will do whatever you tell us to do. Now, Father, we ask you to give us wisdom. Show us the timing. Show us how to make it happen if there are things that are real obstacles that are standing in the way. Give us wisdom. Father, send labors across our path that'll help us. We pray for favor with people, with family, with all kinds of situations. We pray for miraculous supply. We just call into being finances from whatever direction, inheritance, promotions, raises, sale of property and things. Father, whatever, we just speak that whatever it takes, For us to get to the other side, we are going to do it. We are going to the other side. We are going to where you told us to go. And Father, regardless if there's a storm that comes up, we aren't turning back. We burn our bridges behind us. We take quit off of the table. It's not an option. And we commit ourselves to doing what you have told us to do. And Father, I just thank you in advance. FOR THE AWESOME, AWESOME THINGS THAT ARE GOING TO HAPPEN IN THEIR LIVES AND THROUGH THEM TO TOUCH OTHER PEOPLE. FATHER, WE GIVE YOU THE GLORY. THANK YOU FOR THE WONDERFUL THINGS THAT YOU'RE DOING IN OUR LIVES AND WE THANK YOU FOR IT. AND WE BELIEVE, ACCORDING TO 2 TIMOTHY, THAT YOU ARE FAITHFUL AND JUST TO KEEP THAT WHICH WE COMMIT. WE'VE MADE THE COMMITMENT. NOW WE ASK YOU TO HELP US KEEP IT. REMIND US OF IT. DON'T LET OUR FEARS AND OTHER PEOPLE OVERCOME WHAT YOU'VE SPOKEN. WE we BELIEVE YOU'RE GOING TO HOLD US TO THIS. And we thank you for it in the mighty name of jesus amen amen y'all agree amen amen you can be seated gary do you want to say anything to him we hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the word of god through this message it's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.